Dad is our God this morning. Hallelujah. I appreciate the spirit of worship that's in the house this morning. It's so easy to get caught up, so focused on ourselves, our burdens, our battles, our bruises, that we forget the reason we come together here is to exalt the name of Jesus Christ, to glorify him, to worship him. And in his mercy, in his grace, when we set aside those burdens and battles and bruises and we focus on him, he has this wonderful way of taking care of it all, doesn't he? Sometimes you forget to pick the burden back up when you leave. God is good, church. And is deserving of your praise this morning. Hallelujah. Good to see you in God's house this morning. Appreciate you coming to worship with us today. Old faces, new faces, some of the same faces. It's all good. It's your first time. You're every time. You're once upon a time. It's okay. We're glad you're here. We look forward to seeing you. I appreciate those who are listening in today. Couldn't couldn't make it in person, but they've called in to listen. We trust they are also being blessed right where they are by this tremendous spirit that is in our presence this morning. We know that some are hindered for different reasons. But they're still part of the body. They're still part of the church. And their fellowship, be it digital, be it audio, be it by smoke signal. I don't know. Do we still, we probably still don't do that anywhere, do we? But telegraph, telephone, telegram, telefax, however you do it. We want you to know you're part of the body of Christ. Amen. And we love you and we appreciate you today. We're going to open our Bibles this morning to Jeremiah chapter 31. While you're doing that, we're going to remind you to call in this afternoon to this very same number for time of prayer. Also, again, on Wednesdays at 12 o'clock. And on Bible study at 745 on Wednesday nights, I encourage you to call in. Or you can come in person. I, I really don't mind the company sometimes. In the house of God. And the next Sunday morning, Sunday school at 945. And appreciate those who came out this morning to hear the substitute teacher today. Amen. Amen. We trust your teachers. How do they say it? Catching healing. She'll be back to full strength soon. Amen. Hallelujah. The Word of God, Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning at verse 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, 
my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. May the blessing of God accompany the reading of his word. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, I thank you for this precious word, this precious promise, this hope you have given us through your scriptures. Thank you for its inspiration. Thank you for the preservation of this word. Thank you, Lord, for those who have brought it to us in our own language that we might read and understand in our own tongue. I pray for the anointing that is contained within this word to be released, to let it flow freely, let it flow clearly to the one who speaks this morning, Lord, or you must help him, for you know all of his limitations. To those who hear and receive in faith today, let their eyes and ears be opened, let their heart be tender, let the soil be good soil today, Father so that your word might take root, and that it might bear fruit. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. The church agrees. Amen. I've been talking to you from the prophet Jeremiah now for several weeks. We have seen in previous messages how hopeless the situation had truly become for God's people. You know, every once in a while, God's people get themselves in a mess, don't they? Amen. You do your best to serve the Lord. You, you try your best, but every once in a while, the people of God just get themselves in a no-win situation. Where, and, and I tell you, as one who has made my share of messes, I am so grateful for a God. Amen. Who, although he am sure he gets frustrated, Amen. and I'm sure he gets exasperated, Amen. he never forsakes. He never leaves me to my mess, but he also he always plans away, even when he's chastising, even when he says, all right, you're going to have to pay for this one a little bit, just to teach you a little bit of a lesson. We were talking a little bit about that in Sunday school, that sometimes things got to be a certain way to get you to, 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 to break that grip that sin has on your life, to break that grip that that pride, that lust, that the flesh has over you. And, and God's got to let things get to a certain point so you'll learn, so you'll know that you have nothing there that you can count on. But at that point, we talked about this last week, there comes a point where God steps in, where God says you've suffered enough. The message has been made clear enough. It's time to turn things around. And I want to talk about that turnaround today. We know the mess that God's people have gotten themselves in, and we know the price that they had to pay for it. They did pay a heavy price. The loss of their land, the loss of their possessions, 
the loss of their prestige, the loss of their, their base of power there in Jerusalem, the, the, the loss of the, 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 the physical loss of those who would perish and those who would, who would endure great suffering. But all of those things were lost and all of these things needed to be lost. The one thing they did not lose, the one thing we cannot lose, is the love of our God. And through that, he's always promised in each of these circumstances that we've, we've addressed, and we've been detailed about some of them, about how the people's heart had grown so hard, and, and how they had begun to conflate the, the God of Israel with all these other gods, and how they had, had, had welcomed in the false teachers and the false prophets, uh, having itching ears, heaping to themselves uh, words of comfort that were not from God. And, and what a lesson we learned there. When we take comfort in the word of man Amen. and not in the word of God. Amen. What a suffering comes from people who put their trust in the lying mouths of those who speak for personal profit and power and not for the word of the living God. Somebody say amen to that. We learned that lesson the hard way. Because when all the word of man has failed, only the word of God endures. But having gone through all of that, having suffered loss, having suffered the penalty of their pride, God says, I'm not quite done with you yet. Church of the living God, God is not quite done with us yet. We still have yet one more mercy, one more favor, one more grace to receive from God. And in this 31st chapter, Jeremiah lays out for us that precious promise, the promise of a new beginning. When all has been wiped away, when all has been destroyed, when it seems like there's nothing left for us, we have a promise from God that he will start a new work with what we have left. You may not have much. You may have suffered the loss of many different things. But if you still have some faith in God, if your hope is still in Christ Jesus, God says, I can use that. That's enough for me to begin a new work in my people. And here we see the promise of that new covenant that God said that he would bring. Now, church, when we walk today, we walk in the new covenant. Amen. I know we draw many examples and many illustrations from the Old Testament, from the Old Covenant, and the, the Bible tells us to do so. It says these things were written for your instructions, to be examples for you to understand that if God was dealing such with his people in the past, and God does not change, you're going to have to take note and take warning from their failures and their faults. And we've done that over these past few weeks. We have seen how when the church becomes dependent on anything and everything other than God, it is destined to fail. Even, yes, even the influence and even the work of the Holy Spirit in the church, when it is quenched. And I would testify to you, I am born and bred Pentecostal, I don't know how many generations, at least four, maybe more. But I know 
what I've been seeing over the past few years of my ministry, the ministry of the church in general, is a move away from the foundations of the Holy Ghost revival that gave us this beginning, that gave us this covenant in the first place. We've become so dependent on our philosophy and and, and, and on our programs and, and on all the other ways we go about doing church. And God has been stifled. The Holy Spirit has been stifled. Something I appreciated this morning was the freedom of the Holy Spirit in this house to move in people's hearts and minds. And as I would glance across the congregation, I could see the power of the Holy Ghost beginning to overflow in some hearts and minds this morning. Church, let's never get away from our identity in the Holy Spirit. We may have a, all the fancy said, I'm not against any of the, 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 the accomplishments that we have or, or any of the progress that we've made. Thank God for the beautiful buildings. And thank God for the wonderful uh, programs that we put together. But we better not forget that this is a God thing and not a man thing. And that if God is not in it, it don't matter how pretty you make it look or how sweet you make it sound. It's the Holy Ghost that makes the difference. I believe at the core of my being, all is not lost as long as the Spirit of God can still get a hold of one heart, one mind, as the Holy Spirit can bring one life out of darkness. We have not lost this fight yet. The church may be going the way that Israel went. But it doesn't mean it can't turn around. Amen. Amen. Pastor, we've had revivals before. What was the good? They didn't laugh. They just got, Israel had revivals. They had Hezekiah. They had Josiah. They, They had revivals. What good did it do? In the ultimate end, you may point to the fact that they still ended up as a nation following, falling, and, and being exiled off to Babylon. But there was always a core group. The Bible calls it the remnant. And I'm preaching this morning to the remnant. We're getting down to a remnant. I like what the evangelist Billy Sunday said about revivals. Somebody pointed out to Billy Sunday, said, 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 preacher, what good does a revival do? What good does a revival do? It never lasts. People always go back to the living word. And Billy Sunday, Billy Sunday said, you can say the same thing about a bass. Yeah. yeah. Said a bath never lasts. You end up getting dirty again. But he said it's still good to take a bath once in a while. And I'm praying one more time the church of Jesus Christ will take a bath in the power of the Holy Ghost. We'll take a bath in the move of God. Let the living water flow again. Let the water of the Spirit flow again. Drown us, O oh Lord, in your presence. Drown us, O oh God. Hallelujah. Say, Pastor, a call to revival, what good is that going to do? Ultimately, and, and, and when all is said and done and Jesus returns to this world, I don't know how, how it's all going to play out in the end. Maybe the church has to go, go through a Laodicean period of exile itself before Jesus comes. If that's what it takes to bring Jesus to this world, then yes, God, even so, come Lord Jesus. But I promise you, even in Laodicea, there were some who held fast, who held on to the promise of a new beginning of a new covenant through Jesus Christ. We don't have to go the way that the rest of the church is going. 
We can make our stand. Yes, we can say, Lord, preserve your remnant. Amen. Because out of the remnant, a new covenant people can be born. Amen. Amen. God is all that he has shown throughout all of history. That when things get to the point where you think all is lost, when things are their darkest, he raises up. It's always a, a, a select few. It's never the majority. The whole church going one way, God touches a monk named Martin Luther. Yes. And says, I want you to write a little commentary yes. on the epistle to Romans. Yes. The epistle to the Galatians. The whole church is going one way. God begins to touch the heart of a group of people in North Carolina, and they start having prayer meetings that begin to be soon be accompanied by demonstrations of the Holy Spirit. The whole church goes one way, and there's a little mission on the Zusa Street, and a little country black preacher begins preaching the Word of God. Let the church go where it goes, but there's always a group, always a remnant that holds on and says, God, you can renew this thing through us. And if not, if not us, then who? If not us, then who? You see what's happening in our nation? You see the complete ineffectiveness of the worldly church to make even the slightest difference. Amen. We've been generations preaching a compromised gospel, hoping that by some means of miracle, we could somehow draw the world to us, but instead the world has drawn us to them. So if not now, when? How much further down this path do we need to go? How many more generations of our children have to be lost? Come on. Don't say that's prophetic. No, I'm just talking honestly. Do I believe they'll return? You better believe I believe they'll return. I pray that prayer every day. God, you're going to bring them back, right? You're going to bring them back, right? I know the world looks like the world's got them, but no, the world can't have them. They belong to the church. They belong to Jesus. And you're going to bring them back, right? God says, I'm going to get this done. We look around and we see how the church has become so ineffective, so weak, so compromised. And as much as we want to point the finger and blame the devil for everything, we did this to ourselves. We decided we'd rather have political power and economic might than righteousness with God. And we paid a price. Like I said, we were talking on Wednesday night a few weeks ago about no matter what we try to make the church look like, God has his own program going. And he's not going to let his church go too far one way or the other before he doesn't bring it back with a mighty move and a mighty word. And church, I believe that we're going to see a mighty move and a mighty word from God one more time. The remnant is going to rise up. Yes, amen, amen, amen. And hold on to the promise of a new beginning. It may not make us famous. We may not go down in history. 
We may never have the power and the influence that some would desire the church to have, but I will settle for walking in the will of God, and I will settle for doing the work of God, and I will settle for proclaiming the word of God, because I believe little is much if God is in it, and God can take the faith as small as the grain of a seed of mustard, and he can make a mighty, mighty tree out of the church. It does not take much if you have God on your side. It takes one. It takes two. It takes three. It might take 120 gathering in an upper room. I don't know what the magic number is, but I just know this. God is looking to and fro upon the earth. He is going back and forth over the houses of his people, and he's looking for a group whose heart is still in tune with the will of the Holy Ghost. He's looking for people whose heart is still open to the move of God, who've rejected this world and all of its offerings. And I said, I seek like Abraham, a city whose builder and maker is God. I count myself a stranger, an alien, an immigrant, a pilgrim, an outsider. Let me wander this world as a vagabond. But let me have what God has in store up for me yes. in his eternal glory. Amen. A new covenant, yes. he promised. Amen. This promise did not save Israel and Judah from the penalty of their sin. The outward yes. nations, the outward church, did perish. Yes. It did. It fell. Amen. Just like we've seen many denominations fall. Amen. Every time we get ourselves organized into one group or another, and this is what this is the way we're gonna to have to we're gonna do it right this time. Amen. 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 We're gonna do it right this time. We're gonna throw off the shackles of tradition and we're gonna throw off all of these other things. And this time we're gonna get it right. What hubris. Yeah. What Conceit we have sometimes. But when we humble ourselves, when we say, God, there's no there's nothing we can do. That's right. If it's God says it's not going to be one man telling another man what's what. No. Amen. Amen. That's the old way. The old way is to raise up a, a a central figure, glorify them, follow what they say. Come on. We've been doing church like that for 2,000 years. Yes, so come on. Amen. Amen. And you know, well, Pastor, you know, we, we trust you to get it right. We, we're going to follow what you say. Well, thank you for your confidence. And thank you for your trust. I appreciate that. But please know this. Please know this. Your pastor is not perfect. Amen. I know you can, you, you don't have to amen so quickly. <laughs> You could take a pause. <laughs> Appreciate the support. All right. But let me tell you something. The same spirit of a living God that dwells in me should dwell in you. And what I say doesn't resonate with the spirit of God is in you. You have a right to question it. Amen. Because it's not what I say. And it's not what the bishop says, and it's not what the pope says, and it's not what the prophet says, but it's what the spirit of the living God says. And the spirit dwells in you. No more will every 
neighbor. This is how it is. But I will dwell in you, he says. My spirit will dwell in you. And I will teach you myself. And you will know the Lord for yourself. How did God's people get in this position? How did God's people get themselves in such a mess? Because they put barriers between themselves and the knowledge of God. Because they let somebody else do the praying. Somebody else do the fasting. Somebody else do the Bible studies. Somebody else do the discipling. I'll just show up at church, get my little blessing, and go on my way. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to cut it. You can have the greatest move of God on Sunday morning that the world has ever seen. Fire can fall from heaven. Tons of fire can land on each one of us. But it would still do you no good if you don't know God for yourself. Amen. Amen. Preach. It's a God of revival that's outside in. It's a revival that's inside out. Amen. As one by one, we come to the saving knowledge, the intimate knowledge, the personal knowledge that the living God who created the world now dwells in me. This is our salvation. This is the forgiveness of our sins. We're going to celebrate in just a few moments. This is the promise of the new covenant that it will be no more. I'm just let somebody else do the heavy lifting. And I'll just kind of coast in and draft in on their merits. But if you want this kind of revival in your life, if you want it in the life of your family, if you want it in the life of your children, if you want it in the life of the church, it's got to start in you. Amen. You've got to know God for yourself. That's right. You can't ask. I could not have asked. My sisters here, both my sisters are here. They'll, they'll, they'll back me up. There was no, I, I defy you, there was no better example of godliness than my mother and father. They walked before God humbly. They served the Lord faithfully. My father still serving the Lord. My mother as well. I trust she is serving in whatever capacity she is now. I could not have asked for a better example. If anyone deserved to have their children or grandchildren grafted in by their walk of faithfulness, it was my mother and father. By all rights, I should have just I should have I should have just been handed the keys of the kingdom at birth. I know my sister thinks I was, but that's we go back and forth on that sometimes. Yeah. I should have grown up a prince of the church. Don't say it. I know you thought it, but don't say it. But you know what? I got to a point in my life where I was as far from God as you can imagine someone being. Didn't matter who mom was. Did their prayers matter? They they, they couldn't believe they mattered. But there had come a moment where I had to step into the holy of holies and say, God, I've got to know you again myself. Amen. That's good. Is that about mom or dad? I can put my grandmother on the pantheon. Yeah. I don't know. If you look up holiness Pentecostal in the dictionary, it's going to show you a picture of Nellie Brown. (laughs) This is holiness Pentecostal in its purest form. There's still everything about holiness Pentecostal.
capitalism into its, into its essence, and you've got my grandmother. Yeah. Can't read, can't write, but could pray. Oh, could pray till the devils trembled. Yeah. Could pray till the heavens shook. Yeah. Prayed her children, her grandchildren, and her great grandchildren into ministries, into callings. Into I still blame her for being in this pulpit. <laughs> but it wasn't enough for me. Her God was useless to me. My father's God was useless to me. My mother's God was useless to me until he became my God. And when I began to know him for myself, when I began to know him, everything changed. I hope I pass that on to my children. Know God yourself. It's good to have a godly mother. It's good to have a godly father. It's good to have a godly pastor. It's good to have a good shepherd looking over you, but that cannot replace your own personal walk, your own personal knowledge, and your own personal experience with God. You must know God. If the remnant is to survive, if the testimony of the Church of God in the United States is to endure another generation, we must have a remnant. Yes. There must be some who don't go the way of the world. There must be some who turn back to God. Even though they know the present order cannot be saved. That's what Jeremiah kept telling them. No. Yes, God is merciful. Yes, God will forgive. But no, this isn't working. This, we talked about the potter's wheel a couple of Sundays ago. This has to be remade. The form, the outward form, is temporal. It's temporary. It may be only good for a generation at a time, I don't know. But the intimate, inward, internal reality of God in the hearts of his people. Ezekiel quoting or referring to Jeremiah's comment, talking about that new covenant, says, I will put a new heart and a new spirit within you. This is not about just reforming a few traditions. It's not about throwing out the traditions that aren't working and trying to start some that will work. That's not going to do us any good at all. Should we be trying to try our best to connect with the culture where we can? Okay. By all means, let's find a way of speaking the language that this generation is speaking. But that is passe. I used a phrase the other day with a young woman who works for me, and I'm not that old. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Excuse me, Lord, I'm sorry. Don't say that. I apologize. I rebuke you, sister. But I never felt older. I used a phrase from my generation. Slang. Did this happen to you? Yeah. You used some slang that was real popular when you were teens and 20s and 30s. And she looked at me. 
like I was speaking Chinese. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. You never heard that? No, we don't say that. No, that's right. It's like I it's like I landed from another planet. You don't know what we're talking about. Yeah. I realized how transitory yeah. these generational connections are. We bend over backwards to try to to try to get current, and we're always going to be out of tune with the generation before and the generation after. Amen. But there's an eternal generation. Come on. Come on. There's a language that transcends culture. There's a spirit that transcends the times you're in. There's something in the spirit and word of God that speaks to every man, every woman, every child from every generation, nation, people, and tongue. And that's what we've got to connect to again. I may be using archaic language. But when the Spirit of God is speaking through me, and you have the ears to hear, He will speak right straight into your heart. He will bypass all of the filters, and He will hit you in your core. And that's what's going to preserve the remnant. And that's what's going to be the seed of the new thing. This thing isn't over. It's just about to begin. God may be done with this present order of doing things. And if he is, that's his business. But he is not done with his people. He is not done with the church. And what he has up his sleeve for us will be as every bit as generation changing as those moves of God that have come before. We are living on the brink of I believe, and I say this from, I think, from the heart of the scripture. We are living on the brink of a transformational revival. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. One more time. Yeah. Pastor, what about Jesus? Jesus is coming. Yes, he's coming. But the Bible speaks of the time of Jesus coming as a time when there's a great move of the Spirit of yeah. God. Amen. An innumerable company waving palms of every people, nation, and tongue in the world. Glorified. Paying a price, but glorifying the name of Jesus Christ. But how does such a transformational revival begin? It starts with a remnant. It starts with a people very much like the ones that are in this building. A people who have come to the realization that while the world is passing away, the kingdom of God endures forever. Amen. And while we're on the precipice of a generational collapse of the outward forms of the church, God is still in the business of preserving a witness. Amen. If they end up carrying us off into exile, Metaphorically speaking, if we become the voices of the wilderness, if our nation truly turns it back on God with its devastating consequences, God will preserve his truth in us. God will preserve his word in us. God will preserve his will in us so that when the season is ready, 
one more time the seed can bring forth fruit. And a generation lost become, can become a generation saved. Because somebody had the faith and the fortitude to hold on and endure everything the world for us. The pressure is on to conform. The pressure is on to follow the path. The pressure is on to agree with the liars and to steal with the thieves and to kill with the violent. The pressure is on to take up arms and divide ourselves brother against brother and sister against sister and church against church. But I call on the living testimony of Jesus Christ to hold on. That new spirit, that new heart, that new life that God has promised can begin with us. When the covenant was born through the work of Jesus Christ, he knew all the things that were coming. He talked about how things would be. Indeed, just before he went to the cross, he gave his greatest prophetic messages. He talked about a world in chaos. He talked about a world on the brink of destruction. He talked about would he even find faith when he returned to this world? I think about that all the time. He must have seen something in the prophetic spirit of the condition of God's people, how they would be at the end, that if he did not return at a certain time, even the faith itself would be extinguished from the world. He knew all of that. He preached all of that. He prophesied all of that. But then after he said all of that, he still went into that upper room sat down with his disciples and said, this is the covenant, the new covenant in my blood. So despite everything that's going to happen, this covenant will endure. My blood will prevail. The things of my people will be erased. Remember no more. And in all of that chaos and destruction, a new thing will be created. I thank God to be part of this new covenant church. I really do. I thank God that I do not have to walk by the dictates of some prophet or imam or priest or pope, that I can walk in the word of the living God with the spirit of the living God as my guide and my teacher. I thank God I can know him myself. And I thank God in knowing him myself, I also can gain the knowledge of what is not him. It doesn't take me very long anymore to recognize the difference between what is of God and not of God. When you know God, you know who he is. You know where he is and you know where he's not. I don't spend, I waste none of my energy if I can help it when God is not. Unless I'm sharing the gospel with the lost, I have no desire to be anywhere. For the Spirit of God is not alive and well and working. Yeah. So I know God is everywhere, Pastor. You know what I'm talking about. 
There's so many, there's so there's, there's churches. You wouldn't find the Spirit of God within a mile of it. Yes. But they've so quenched and so stifled the work of the Holy Spirit that he can't get a word in. I don't want no part of that. I don't know what will become of my house in the days to come, but I want to know this. This is my place to you. In this place, we will stay open to the move of the Holy Spirit. We will stay sensitive. We will stay humble to the best of our abilities. So let this Spirit of God direct this church. Because I desperately want God to preserve us. Amen. As the seed of a new beginning. Would you stand with me this morning? The new covenant church is ours. It's ours through the work of Jesus Christ. I feel bad for the people that heard Jeremiah speak in the flesh. They had to wait. They had to look at it as something that would take place in the future. It gave them some hope, but they didn't really, they weren't able to really experience it the way we can. But we don't have to wait. We're not looking for something to happen tomorrow or next year or a decade or a generation down the line before we can really know God for ourselves. We can know him today. My prayer is you do know him today. But it may be that someone here does not know God. Or it may be here that someone has become estranged. And it's been a long time. It's been a long time since you got face to face with your God. His promise is, I will be your God and you will be my people. That's an intimacy. It says God wants each one of us, each one of us, to know him the way he knows us. Personally. So we're going to pray. And after we pray, we're going to take communion. But in our prayer, if there's something, something that's been holding back, something that's been between, something that's been keeping you from really knowing and experiencing your God, this is the moment. This is the moment to remove it. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the new covenant. We thank you for preserving, for, for preserving the remnant seed. We would not be here if you had not already done this work in previous generations. We know that when the whole church goes astray, you still hang on, you still hold on, you still keep a remnant for yourself. We pray that we would be that remnant and that the remnant through us would continue to grow to encompass all your people who are in danger of being lost. Father, we're no good to the next generation. We're no good to the next work you want to do if we ourselves do not know you for ourselves. What good can I do, my children, to pass on this knowledge of Jesus Christ if I don't really know Jesus. Know from who he is and what he is and who he is to me. That's worth passing on. So I pray for these who are here this morning. 
Lord, that we might know you. Yeah. Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are welcome in this place. You are preeminent in this place. It is not what I say, it's what you say, Lord, that really matters. And if we don't know you and hear from you and experience you, what good is all of this? If I don't know you, this is just a cup. This is just a piece of bread. If I don't know you, it's just a song. It's just a prayer. It's worth nothing if I don't know you. And I can only know you, Lord, if your spirit dwells in me. Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost. Help us know Jesus. Help us know the Father. Help us know you today. Let the new covenant come alive. If there's sin in the house, we confess it and we forgive it. If there's barriers between us and God, if we're in danger of being pushed away or pushed aside, we break those barriers down by the blood of the Lamb of God. For through that blood, there is no barrier. Through that blood, we have access to the very throne of God. Where the one who stands by the throne is our very present help in our time of need. Thank you for this covenant, God, today. Thank you for preserving a remnant. Thank you for the new beginning that you're going to you're going to release through the power of this covenant today. May your church experience that revival, that regeneration, that restoration promised in this covenant. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You are part of this new covenant. We invite you to come and partake of that which made the covenant possible. For all the word and all the work comes down to this. That one man was willing to pay the price so that we could come into this personal, intimate relationship with God. God would forever be a stranger. He'd be forever at a distance. Forever separate if it was not for the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And that body and blood today is the reason why I can have hope. That no matter what I see happening to the church in this world, this is sufficient. This is enough. For where the body of Christ is, where the blood of Christ is, there is the very presence of Christ himself. Amen. And where Jesus is, Amen. there is hope. Amen. Somebody has asked me once, how come I never see you discouraged? How come I never see you despondent? I say, honestly, in my flesh, I have those moments. Amen. In my flesh, 
hey, it's hard sometimes to walk into this building and look around. And I love all of you, but it's hard. You begin to question everything. But I, I'm always optimistic because I know Jesus. If I thought for a minute keeping this thing going was dependent on me, I'd run out in traffic. If I thought for a minute keeping this church alive was up to me, I'd, I'd be gone. You'd hear a rumor about me in some mountains in Montana. I'd be, the, I'd be the guy hiding in the hills, hiding in the caves and in the rocks. Jesus. Jesus is what keeps this thing alive. He's the one who keeps it going. Because what is rooted and grounded in Jesus cannot die. Amen. Let the outward man perish. Let the outward church perish. But that which is in Christ cannot perish. Amen. Father, I bless this body today. I bless this bread as the symbol of the body of Jesus Christ, the enduring body, that though it was crucified, though it was beaten, though stripes were laid across its back, it endured. Even death itself could not corrupt it. For you would not suffer your Holy One to see corruption. But it was raised whole and entire without corruption. This body we hold in our hands today by faith. This is our promise. That not only will our mortal bodies also be transformed, but that the body of Christ will endure forever and ever. We give thanks and we bless this bread in Jesus' name. Amen. Take and eat and be made whole in Jesus. The last words of that new covenant promise. I will forgive their iniquity and their sins I will remember no more. I'm so grateful today to hold this cup in my hand. And remember that it's by this blood. Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant given for you. For the remission of your sin. Though we stumble, though we fall. His blood is sufficient for all. Father, I thank you for this cup today. I bless this cup. For this blood. This symbol of your blood. Precious to me. Oh, how precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Every sin forgiven, every heart, soul, mind, and spirit cleansed today, cleansed and set free from indwelling sin. Made righteous, made holy, set free. Let your blood be the deliverance of the people. Let the blood be the deliverance of the church of the living God. By this blood, remember no more our failures and our faults. By this blood, see us as you see your son. Holy. Righteous, clean, 
part of it. We bless this cup today. In Jesus' name, take and drink. Let the life of Christ be made new in you today. Oh, bless God. Bless God in praises of the Lord. And worship you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We began with a spirit of worship. Let's let's not lose that now. Bless the one who saved you. Praise the one who forgave you. Give glory to the one who's delivered you from sin, from death, from hell, from the grave. Magnify his name and make his name famous. For he is truly our hope and our salvation. Let the remnant rejoice. Let the revived rejoice. Let those who still have hope rejoice because of him. Because of him. Hallelujah. Glory and honor and praise. Father God, Jesus, Lord of all, Holy Spirit, we magnify you. This has been a production of the Lighthouse Church of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed. You are welcome to join us for service every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information or to support our ministry, visit our website at www.lhcogfl.org. Or if you're in the Broward County area, we would love for you to visit our church located at 1890 Southwest 31st Avenue, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33312. God bless you. Until next time, this is the Lighthouse Church of God, lighting the way through the storms of life.